0: Welcome to Contrast. We deal with contrast on this program, and we have some stark contrast. It's usually a contrast between the scripture and the traditions of men. But today, it's a double contrast because we're not speaking from the United States as we usually do. We are speaking from the west of Ireland, and it is a joy for me here in the West of Ireland. It is at the very end of a whole journey, right through different parts of Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, and before that in Poland and in England. But the grace of God has been really manifest. And here last night in this part of West Ireland, and I'd like to introduce Raymond Stewart, who just gives that little bit of yesterday, and I have one more question for him at the end. We could not speak about everything that has happened because it would take us much, much too long. But Raymond Stewart, you're welcome, and please give an introduction to what has been happening here in the last days at the Infrared yesterday. Well, thank you, sir. It's a great joy and a privilege uh, to bring a greeting from the West of Ireland. In particular, we're in the town of Balakadarine and Peggy Ruscon. A way out west uh, in the west of Ireland, um, uh, around 124 miles from the the, the metropolis of of Dublin. It's a very typical Irish town of approximately 3,000 souls. There's a Roman Catholic cathedral and just one Bible-believing Christian church located on the Main Street. On Monday evening in May 2003, was the occasion of a visit by Richard Bennett, who spoke with fervour on the message of Patrick, the real message of Patrick for Ireland, not the message that the Catholic Church would desire to have us today. This meeting under the, of the auspices of Reformation Ireland was one of many plans in the providence of God to reach those lost in religion with the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ which we believe is the power of God unto salvation just to tell you a little bit about Reformation Army we are engaged in edifying and challenging those calls of God onto the paths, principles and precepts of Holy Scripture and primarily encouraging the local church unto the preaching of the word, and in contending for the faith once delivered unto the saints. We distance ourselves from local politics, and that nightmare that has been Ireland for many, many decades. We stand firmly at salt and light throughout Ireland, north and south. We are economical in the truest biblical sense, pointing to the unity of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and to the message rediscovered of the Reformation and that is the Sola that Richard so many times would speak of in his messages. Scripture alone Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone and for the glory of God alone. We would encourage you to pay a visit to our website on the internet our website is com. and we're very glad to have a part in this uh, interview today and um, we trust that the Lord would be honoured and blessed through this programme. Thank you Richard. Before we get to Peggy O'Neill and the desire I have to interview her, um, it would take much too long Raymond go over the different nights that we have had and the different days and different parts of Ireland but there was one really precious time to me in Belfast and I know you were born in Belfast so at the Belfast man, I'd like you to speak about it it was in West Belfast it was one of the smaller meetings we only had 33 people yeah. but 14 of them were precious Catholic people and there was a moving of the Holy Spirit by which we could in a certain sense, feel the presence of the power of God to convict people. Could you say uh, a wee word, as you say in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland? small word, word about, about, about what happened that evening in West Belfast? Well, Jerry uh, is a very good friend of mine. Jerry lives on pool grass, which is on the outskirts of Anderson's Town, which is a very notorious spot. Uh, in Belfast, troubled over 30 years with much terrorism and joyriding and other lawlessness that has gone on. And Jerry has been converted now for about like 15 years and he had invited Richard to come and minister in a shed just beside his home, part of his home. And um, the shed was fixed up for this meeting and be having Bible studies in that shed Every second Friday in, in the month, uh, on my own. Uh, this particular meeting of Richard addressed was particularly special because there were no less than 14 of the folk that were present who were Catholics, practicing Catholics, we believe, most of them. And um, Richard had the opportunity of declaring the glorious gospel to them. We believe we're from different cultures, different backgrounds but the Word of God is the unifying factor Um, when men's hearts are changed when they are regenerated by the Spirit of God that was the answer to the Irish situation that was the answer to the problems we have and we believe that Um, it was such a privilege and we felt the Lord in that meeting His Spirit was there there was no animosity there were folk there from the orange tradition, there were folk there from the Republican tradition, and there were questions at the end, and everything was so uh, amicable, and Richard declared the word of God. So that's just that's a kind of encouragement for us. We have many other meetings, we have meetings in Protestant churches all over the place, and we uh, trust that those will be a challenge to those from the orange tradition, that are fearful of going into Catholic areas to present the Gospel. Thank you. Yes, and thank you. And just to finish on the note that Raymond was saying there, we touched at the end of that meeting on the legacy of Patrick. Um, That legacy went on for seven hundred and seven years after Patrick in true Christian faith here in this nation. And it was really wonderful that we were the words of the of all trying to persuade all men everywhere, and particularly there in Northern Ireland, persuade both sides to drop the baggage and to come back to the physical thing that Patrick had, where he mentions how glorious it is to be in Christ Jesus. And after Patrick, we had Columba, Columb Hill, um Kill, Columbanus. Um, Uh, Killian, Ferdinand, and Brendan, and of course I shouldn't forget Reed. We had had Bible believers, truly men and women of faith, and that was a legacy based on the scriptures. And even somebody like Colin Bayless, who had written to uh, two of the folks' promises they fought, Sacraments and rituals for Christ Jesus, and men who knew their faith and were renowned renowned for the knowledge of such as Greek. And it was this challenge to come back to the legacy of Patrick that this whole trip has been about. This whole mission. And I thank God for the grace of God. And I think that in some ways it summarized in the person that we are now to meet, Peggy O'Neill we have a book called The Set of Three, Twenty Former Nuns Tell Their Stories and Peggy O'Neill is in this book and she has a glorious message and she says that she never heard the gospel as a nun and she now gives the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation so we will pause now for a second as Raymond, I'd ask you to leave room now for Peggy O'Neill and we are going to interview Peggy O'Neill to hear her story the story of God's grace thank you always, Peggy O'Neill and Peggy it's a joy to be with you here in the west of Ireland and we had that once before uh, when you have been in the United States, and I can hardly express the joy it is to be with you again, knowing that we're both in Christ Jesus. And I'd like to come, Peggy, to your story. You grew up um, in County Kerry. Can you tell us the exact town and what it was to grow up in a Catholic family? How many were there in the family, or how much the life of the Catholic family as you brought? Well, I was born in South um, Southwest of Ireland in very fond County Clary North Clary and I belonged to a, a good practicing family, Catholic family my parents were good Catholics and there brought all ten of us that had children of us called Catholics and um, At home, I was surrounded by a Catholic culture. We said the rosary every night, yesterday, every night. And only the rosary was a tribute to the rosary, which included the the litany of Our Lady, which they call the litany. And um, in that litany, we gave her many wonderful titles, such as the mirror of justice, the of wisdom, the health of the sick, the tower. Yes, the ark of the Covenant, name of Him, Morning Star, refuge of sinners. We couldn't keep enough. time you, yes, I know we did the chilling yes. yes. the whole one, and I was in Dublin, and you're finishing off uh, Rosie by saying, "Here's Holy Cream Mother of Mercy, here's our life, our sweetness and our hope." Now we know that Mary was blessed among them, yes. and that she would have looked for sweetness and hope. Christ alone. Mm-hmm. So to address her in that, those ways is really difficult. And you probably remember, as I do, the prayer that we pray to Mary. Remember, almost oh, most gracious, virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who said to thy protection and thought thy aid or sought thy intercession of death or aided. Inspired with his that I find to be, O oh, Virgin, of oh, Virgin, my mother, and on and on where the whole presupposition is that Christ may not hear you, or God may not hear you but she was never known to fail and that was the attitude, was it not, that we grew up Yes, she yes, yes. was greeted 53 times Hail Mary, full of grace in that rosary. Yes and, and um, uh, yeah, our father was in just five times so, I mean... I know you see the proportion there yes. and, I suppose it was the same for you and Kerry as it was for us in Dublin mm-hmm. when we wanted to pray, say Uncle Barney was sick and uh, he wanted to pray for Uncle Barney mm-hmm. he didn't pray and mention the name of Uncle Barney in a prayer, he would say, you'd say "Tree Hei Mary some, and it was any time you prayed personally, it was by saying "Tree Hei Mary So that contained mm-hmm. it. you were the same. so it wasn't personal prayer, it was always saying three Hail Marys and when you go to confession often the penance you got from the priest was saying three Hail Marys so it was three Hail Marys was like the the magic formula or something that was always to be said at prayer and that was addressing Mary and saying Holy Mary Mother of God pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death Amen so it was looking to a Human person instead of what the scripture says, looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, both of us, Peggy, have a a dear love for Catholics, and we're trying to speak to children love. And with that, I want to go on to ask you why did you go into the convent? What type of convent was it? then I'll ask you more about training afterwards. (coughs) From a very early age, I had the idea that it would actually be in a I had some relatives, a number of, of my relations with like nuns, and my mother had three uncles, actually and uh, we were a very religious family and um, I went to school, to, uh, in secondary school, to, to Nuns as well so um, I thought as well that, that, uh, that nuns were very special people with God This was the highest calling a, a woman could have and it really hard and it was a and uh, somebody said to me one day in school that, that um, the marriage state was a higher state than the religious state, and I was really shocked. She said that in uh, Austria you had to receive a sacrament, there was no sacrament for to the church in common, and on. And, of course, I, I, I said to the village she said, I still believe that there's nothing worth it. But, but the, the matter that the marriage state was not yeah. set in the context, That was the idea that I had. And in case people think that this is just a former priest and a former nun, exalting religious life higher than marriage life, I would like to quote from Vatican Council 2 documents. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is from paragraph 44 of the famous document called Lumen Gentium. Quotation. Furthermore, the religious state constitutes a closer imitation and an abiding abiding reenactment in the Church of the form of life which the Son of God made His own when He came into the world to do the will of the Father and which He propounded to the disciples who followed Him. So here, religious faith is called a closer imitation. Now, this comparison can only be to marriage because it is talking about something else, and the presupposition is marriage is closer than the institution which God made. God set up no way of life that we know as religious life. To say that Christ Jesus made it his own would be to purport that he set up monasteries of priories and convents, which he did not. The apostles were married and we even have the Gospel talking about the wife of Peter. We know that the women who followed Christ Jesus were not in convents; they were married women. And um, to say that he propounded this way of life to his disciples is simply untrue we did have the Essenes which was a monastic type of Judaism at the time of Christ Jesus The um, famous um, Essenes Quran where we had the Dead Sea Scrolls found it is quite famous and it was famous for its monastic tradition where men came aside to live um, in a celibate way and to impose a lot of rules on people. That was not what Christ Jesus sent people to. He did not institute that. That is not in the pages of scripture. He talked about a man, if he wanted to be celibate, in the idyllic for God's sake, for the sake of the kingdom, that to whom God gives, let him take this gift it was a personal thing between a person and the Lord it is not an institution and everything is within the content of marriage which God has made so it's not for a commune or a group of ladies living together which is totally unnatural or a, a set of men living together these things are not set up of God and. Um, it is interesting um, when we had the Baswal and even the monasteries in Ireland, later on under Patrick and Column Kill, um, uh, later on, particularly uh, Column Balance. When these monasteries were set up, we did have celibate men and men living celibate lives. and wanting to be sanctified before God. But the whole purpose was to build up men for the gospel and to send them out so that they could evangelize and many of the men would leave and and have families because that is what a pastor is, a man to be be a ruler of his own family. In the words of the Apostle Paul, how can you um, how can you rule the church of God if you do not know how to rule your own family how can you minister with the church of God uh, uh, First Timothy chapter 3 you get the exact words how can a man minister if he doesn't know how to minister over his own family and so after his own children how can he look after the church of God so these were um, monasteries in a different passion altogether where the gospel was preached for over 700 years in this nation. So we're not talking about that type of coming aside to hear the gospel, to be devoted to getting the gospel out, and to go out like Fornan and Killian, uh, of and others, and all of, of much of Europe was evangelized by these men who went out from these monasteries to bring the gospel they saw righteousness in Christ and not in any system, but that is the whole problem and then they come back to your uh, story um, Peggy you said that in the convent that you um, were trained what was the name of the convent and where were you trained and was it all in Ireland or were you religious order, um, Religious of the Sacred Heart of Mary. Uh, it was a French artist, Known the Frenchist, who wanted The sacrament of a of And so our motherhouse, where we were founded, was in the South of France, is a is that is a in church history. In the confusion of the thousands of Catholics were uh, were and burnt to death because of the Catholics. It yes, is, yes. In the south of Cyprus. Anyway, it was there I was. Uh, I went uh, when I left home at the age of 17, uh, and um, I was there for during the war. During the war, I didn't return back to Ireland or England, and it was, that's where I made my mark because on my initiate was trained to become a nun and um, then at the end of the seven years I came back to England and, and the, the, the author is a teaching order, dedicated to education, to teaching, school teaching and I trained as a school teacher and then from 1949 until 1983 I was, I was, I was a teacher in, in school, in government schools Mm-hmm. Well what were you teaching the children and what were you learning yourself? Like did you have a Bible in your room as Anun? Like were you reading like the Gospel of John and the letters of Saint Paul and what were you reading, you know, what was your where was your mind's focus in those days as an mostly, Yes. and um, spirituality of from these states, trees and men and children are the cross, and I didn't understand very much about them, I'm afraid, but uh definitely i of reading. Never had, I never once saw a copy of the Bible when I was in the Middle during those seven years, and as a matter of fact, I didn't ever see a copy of the Bible or a Bible until after the Vatican Council in, in 19, uh, the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And then for the first time I, I, I found a Bible, and I had a Bible. Yeah, I'm really surprised at that because I had bought a Bible going into the Dominican mm-hmm. Priory and uh, I always had a Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been surprised and i had the joy of interviewing other former nuns like, uh, like Jackie Kaser, and just before coming over, to Ireland, uh, and then I was in Poland, I interviewed uh, Lolly Harding, and she was um, a medical missionary, and she's a beautiful testimony. But I should be surprised with the nuns again and again, I hear that they didn't have Bibles in their rooms, and that they didn't... Um, they just read the lives of the saints and everything, because um, I thought, even before Vatican II, um, that we had such, but uh, that was our Catholic tradition. Can you tell us something what it was like then after Vatican II when you did have a Bible? Was it now really studying the Bible as such? No, it was... Uh, uh, we had access to... We had Bibles from uh, It made no difference to me personally. I was still and um, the teaching of the Catholic Church which was... was True teaching, and I really didn't I, I didn't see anything different in the Bible, even though I did read it I didn't see any different teaching it didn't change, my think, in any way when I read the Bible I should, I, after Vatican II Yes, maybe that is because Vatican II is shared like new Eucharist some declares that um, tradition and uh, Scripture and tradition must be honored with equal love, respect and um, that the church does not provide our certainty from the scriptures alone uh, so that they equally love tradition as they do the written word of God Mm -hmm. As I was saying in some talks here in the West and other parts of Ireland, that's like a man looking to his wife and say, well honey I love you and have respect for you but I love another woman across the road there yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have equal love and devotion to her the mind of God expressed in the written word of God cannot be compared to anything and to say that you equal love and respect of some other documents mm-hmm. um, that you call tradition is really declare that you have an adulterous love because we cannot put anything on a power with the written word of God. This is really serious because this is what Christ Jesus withstood with mm-hmm. the Pharisees. The Pharisees were developed like many Catholic people, utterly sincere and Christ withstood them to their face, And he called them white of Catholics, leaders of the blind. And um, he Said if you remain in your tradition, you will die in your sins. So this is really serious because Christ Jesus stood people who claim to have an equal love for tradition as they do the scripture. This is pulling away the carpet from under the feet of precious, healthy people because they are meant to see that Christ Jesus said, as he did, scripture cannot be broken. Thy word is truth. The Apostle Paul said not to think above what is written. To belong to the testimony if you do not seek according to this word is because there is no light in them. That is from the Old Testament. The word of God is the measure, is the yardstick, is the basis of truth, and it is not the teachings of any church. So. You came then, taking to understand this, and uh, you began to read the scriptures did you and see that there was a, an authority there. How did you come to see that there was an authority in the Word of God? Well, um, I was a, as, as we I was a Catholic, never once Christian the teaching of the Catholic Church tradition to the Catholic Church, and, the Catholic Church. and um, at the same time, I loved the Word of God. Church, you know a But then I I met a, a, my nephew who who told me that uh, he had left the Catholic Church, and at the same time, he he was very interested in the Bible. I say that he was very interested in the Bible. And of course, I, I became alarmed when I heard that he had left the Catholic Church, and um, I thought I, I, I would put him right, I would, I would see that. Come back to the Catholic Church. So I, I, began to study the Bible and check things out for myself. And um, before long, I discovered that in fact my nephew was right and it was I who was wrong. And uh, so um, and as time went on, I discovered more and more. Just this, the first thing I really discovered was about Mary. That that Mary was uh, she, uh, the apparition she was the immediate conception and we have the 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 the, the, the teaching of the church the the aback conception. But the Bible says that there is none righteous, no not one. All have sinned and fall so come short of the glory of God. And all never understand. And so so I, I began to for the first time question things and and, and and see if if The Catholic Church said the same thing as as, the Word of God. And I discovered, as time went on, I discovered more and more contradictions. And finally, and to my greatest shock of all, I discovered that the Catholic Church had a different gospel from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel taught and given to us by God. Uh, The gospel, of course, is is God's way of of salvation. There's only one way of salvation to be saved, and that is the way God has given us in Jesus Christ and um, the Catholic Church I found has given it another way another gospel and I can say another Jesus and of course that doesn't tell you things it crazy to think that that I had never heard the, the the true gospel in the 17 years before I left home to get on and then. The, the, more than 50 years I was doing when I was a nun. And today, even today, I, I, I mean, it's very evident to me that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is not being preached in Ireland, and as a matter of fact, it's not known, it's not even known. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church does not even know what the go. They preach Church, they preach Sacraments, they preach mm-hmm. uh, giving the Ten Commandments, but did you not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's like the New catechism says that no one can have God as Father who doesn't have church as Mother. So you're really looking to Holy Mother in the Church. And what you say, Peggy, is so important for The viewer to hear tonight is that the gospel is the power of God and salvation. foundation, that you can deliver that the righteousness of God revealed. Paul said in chapter one of Romans, he said, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith unto faith. It is the perfection of Christ Jesus is revealed. That Christ Jesus lived the perfect life. That Christ Jesus obeyed everything in substitution for the believer and that there is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. Paul preached it with it, a zeal and a joy he said in Romans 3 but now the righteousness of God is manifest being witnessed by the law and the prophet even the righteousness of God which is of the faith of Christ Jesus unto all and upon them the believe, there is no difference. For all have sinned until short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is what you are saying Peggy, that you understood that righteousness or perfection was in Christ and that you were seeing that on the pages of Scripture, and that you've heard it. Mm-hmm. So, your nephew, wasn't it? When it was the of him that I first started searching oh, yeah, and then we saw it in the yeah, Scripture. And then yeah, it took me a very long time, actually, to, 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 to come to know that there are some you know it such a simple message. Yeah, because our because mind was so sweet that the power was with us. I was so uh, entrenched in Catholicism Mm -hmm. and he takes a lot of of to come out of Catholicism and there are so many devout um, and sincere Catholics in Ireland Mm -hmm. and I think these are the people finding find the hardest actually to to, to believe, uh, to to realize that they have been deceived first of all and listen to another gospel Yes, but you were were fifty years and on I was thirty years the Dominican, only 22 of that of the priests, but I thought that 30 years a Dominican was a long time, but you were a whole 50 years and on, and that is like uh, a whole lifetime for some people. But yes. then after uh, you have that <coughs> hatred, then to find the glorious gospel, isn't it such a joy? Yes. And what we are speaking about tonight is a joy to you, Heidi, yes. and I know it's a joy, we were speaking personally last night, and I know that on your heart was uh, a part of the Apostle Paul's teaching in Second Corinthians chapter five, where he speaks about ambassadors for Christ. Could you say something about that passage? Because I know you speak about it in your testimony. Yes. You know where where the Apostle Paul is saying that we are ambassadors for Christ. Yes. What is the message of Paul? in that context. What Mm is he trying to Mm -hmm. say? He says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 that we are ambassadors we've been given a ministry Mm -hmm. uh, of of reconciliation telling people that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself through Jesus, peace was made between us and God again and uh, not imputing our sins to us so that is the message that God wants us to give on our Jesus on his behalf, as his ambassadors, to give that message to the people, to the lost, people who do not know the gospel. And um, that is the same message that God wants us to, 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 to give. And uh, as a Catholic, I, guess I I thinking back, I, I felt I could never give that message, because I didn't know that message. I, didn't know, I thought God wasn't choosing my sins to me that I had to go to confession in heaven for giving and uh, so I could never give that message now the other message she wanted to give is that, that in exchange Jesus took our sins upon himself at Calvary and in exchange for our sins he gave us his righteousness yes, yes, he said, yes. The righteousness, God himself put to our account yes, yes We still sinners forever on this earth but that is God knows us with the, Ro- the Roman of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Right, not because we're good, but because because we love His Son, we trust His Son, the Savior that whom He sent, Jesus, that we, we appreciate the Savior that God our Father sent us, and we appreciate what Jesus has done for us. Yes, he yes. To, that he gave His life and shed His blood to take away our sins and to, and to and to make us in, in God's eyes, even as that, death, before we ever become glorified, that glorified bodies in heaven, And God now sees us as if we were as righteous as Jesus Christ. That's wonderful, good news. Isn't it? And that's why Paul keeps saying, in Christ, he says in Colossians 3, 3 your life is hid with Christ mm-hmm. in God. And the, the wonder of it that we are in Christ Jesus, in in Ephesians he says that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly days in Christ. He keeps saying in Christ because it's not in any system, no, it's, not any it's not in any church, no. it is in Christ yeah. to the praise of the glory of His grace, accepted in the beloved. Yes. The conclusion to what you were saying in that Corinthians 5 is that beautiful last verse, verse 21, mm-hmm. which just summarizes what you were saying, Teddy. Mm-hmm. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, Christ Jesus knew no sin because He was holy, found, and undefiled, separate from sinners. He was absolutely perfect mm-hmm. and absolutely without sin in his person. Mm-hmm. How could the scripture say he became sin? Mm-hmm. It was in a legal way that he was separate from mm-hmm. God the Father because he had taken the believer's sin upon his person. Mm-hmm. In the words of the Apostle Peter, he bore our sin in his body on the tree. He was imputed or reckoned, credited, the word that is used in the economic world Mm -hmm. he was reckoned Mm -hmm. with our sins so on the cross he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. because it was as if a million Mm hells he took separation from God not just physical pain and agony but he was, as if it were, in a million hell for the believer's sin and for the sin nature of the believer and then he did that to substitute Mm -hmm. so that in the words of the Apostle Paul we might become the righteousness of God Mm -hmm. in Him that we would be reckoned with His perfection but you're saying, Mm Peggy, and it's just glorious that we stand Mm -hmm. in the work of the Apostle Paul complete in Him Mm -hmm. who is the head of all principality and power what is said in the beginning of Hebrews about Christ Jesus, who made the brightness of this glory and the image of this person Mm upholding all things by the word of this power when he had by himself purged those things mm-hmm. sat down on the right hand of the majesty and high mm-hmm. now, what's so important there is that Christ uses the brightness of the Father's glory, the expressed image of this person here we're talking about perfection mm-hmm. well what does it say then he upholds all things by the word of this power this is The glorious one who became flesh, but who upholds all things, in whom all things consist, but when he had by himself purged our sins, he, the glorious one, purged our sins, he became as if it were sin for the sake of you, for me, for the believer who is convicted Mm -hmm. before God that they are a sinner. And who the Holy Spirit shows that there's nothing that they can do. You become the righteousness of God in Him. Now this is the glorious, glorious gospel. And this is where, this is where we stand as believers. Now I want to come to something, Peggy, because I think it is important. Um, We are saved only by trusting in Christ Jesus. And he said in Mark, Jackson, chapter 16, verse 16, he said um, um, that we were going to go and preach, and, and whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever believes not shall be condemned. Now, the, the focus there is faith, because he says, whoever be, believes and is baptized shall be saved. It, and it says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say whoever is not outside, whoever does not believe. So the focus is faith. Christ Jesus is saying, one must believe. We are to have responsibility because we are commanded by God to believe. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he mm-hmm. has So the key is faith. Mm-hmm. But Christ Jesus says about baptism too, it's a, an ordinance or a testimony of the faith that you know when we are convicted as adults, that we are sinners, that we should give testimony. And I know I was baptized after I had done countless infant baptisms, because I have been baptized as a baby myself when I became uh, a believer scripturally, you and know, a Christian and a Christian I was baptized, were you baptized by me as a believer, prayer and where uh, was it, and how did it happen? And I, was, I was 69 years of age when I was baptized. I was one day old when I was baptized as a Catholic. And then when I heard the true gospel. Uh, I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I trusted him alone to save me. And I wanted to give uh, a public witness of that. Uh, and the way God has asked us to do that in His Word is to be baptized by baptism by immersion. Yes, yes. So I was baptized at a place called Land of Beach, a place outside Tralee, in heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, there I was able to testify that I, my belief was in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. And that, uh, that uh, I was able to say publicly that He alone was my Savior and he had forgiven me my sins and I knew that I would, be, that I would go to him and I was sure of salvation. So that is, that is the, uh, what I believe about baptism. That the, I, in my baptism I received when I was one day old it was just an empty ritual. It just did absolutely nothing for me. Uh, and, and it was when I believed in Jesus Christ that things happened that takes change for me been a child of God when I heard the gospel and I believed it and I heard that Jesus uh, took away my sins and that he, uh, that his righteousness was, was given to me And then my true baptism took place Yes, well that is, that is just remarkable and I mean, praise God You say, Banner, Beech, and a Stern, that is quite famous remembering back to our Irish history, that is where Roger casements had landed with the armaments that were meant for the uprising and my father was in that uprising and my background is the old IRA Mm -hmm. and um, we're in an Irish context today and I want to say that it was very difficult for me to deal with the the baggage from the IRA and um, we have had meetings with people who had to give up um, baggage of hatred of Catholics mm-hmm. and orangism and all that baggage that has gone on in Northern Ireland of people who have grown up um, maybe Church of Ireland and trusting in their infant orangism and had hatred for the things of God and just political. Now I'm trying to speak the truth and love, mm-hmm. but I think that what we had said earlier on, and it's a different topic, but it's still important in this context because you mentioned where the same strand of Roger Cakesman yes. had brought in, tried to bring in armaments at the time of the uprising, that we dropped the baggage. Yes. And this has nothing to do with armaments, this has nothing to do with politics. What we are sharing is the gospel, yes. and it's for, it's for all sides because we have dead Protestants mm-hmm. that means spiritually dead mm-hmm. the scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being, being dead in mm-hmm. trespasses and sins we have many many people who call themselves Protestants and have grown up in their tradition and uh, I think it's so important that we we are not here trying to just elevate some church, we're trying to elevate Christ Jesus exactly. and we're trying to elevate the Gospel mm-hmm. and we're trying to say that there can be many false traditions. We just happened from you as a former nun, and I said as a former Dominican from the Catholic tradition that has denied very, very directly the Gospel mm-hmm. and there are other traditions that have equally uh, denying the gospel, not equally, but in in uh, similar ways, and we're giving the gospel to all, and we're trying to do so in the love of Christ Jesus. Now I want to mention something Peggy, because um, we have uh, um, not that many moments to go, to, or minutes to go, but I want to mention something that struck me in your testimony, and that was in your testimony you talked about a priest talking to you about the jury still being out that you know things are still got to be worked out you've still got to work out uh, what you're doing so that by keeping the commandments and doing the sacraments you can be right with God and when you were trying to say to this priest uh, you know the finished work uh, Christ Jesus righteousness is manifest this priest has said the jury is still out. Can you give me the full story in that because I can't remember fully from reading the text. Yes. yes, I was talking to a group of people and the priest said to all of us he said the jury is still out. In other words, uh, God hasn't yet, um, you know, Jesus hasn't yet done the work of salvation and it depends on our behavior, on our goodness and uh, if we make the grave, then then and be able to bring in the final verdict. Yes. yes. And so uh, the jury is you know, means really that it depends on us, our salvation depends on us, and not on what Jesus Christ has done. And that is exactly uh, uh, where we have the true gospel against the false gospel. The false gospel means that it's because of our of good works and our efforts and what we can do uh, and our goodness That we're going to make the grave finally and earn our way to heaven. And not because of what Jesus Christ has done as our Savior, as our substitute. And uh, and it's just if we accept and believe what He has done, that then we're saved. Our part is just to believe. Just to believe. You talked a while ago about baggage. Yes, yes. And uh, I was thinking about the baggage that I had to to drop, leave all this behind is the same baggage that every Catholic has. Mary is part of the baggage, uh, the sacraments, uh, uh, keeping the commandments, going to mass, all the things that we have to do in order to be saved. And uh, I believe now, as you said yourself, Richard, that uh, reminded us that in John, chapter first Bishop of John said, keep yourself from idols. And looking back now, I believe that all these things are just uh, idols in our lives. That yes. the one treasure we worship and trust in is God and Jesus Christ, who can Yes, that's so beautifully said. And I want to be delicate here, and I really want to be sensitive, but the Catholic Church, in declaring the, the false gospel, is very explicit. Like in the New Canaanite, it says that, Communion, you could separate us from sin. Now that's looking to it. And the gift is the hope. Mm-hmm. And it says, it separates us from sin. Mm-hmm. Now that looks like the same Jesus Christ, but it's the hope of the yes. communion mm-hmm. with us. And it's Christ Jesus Himself, and He is in heaven, mm-hmm. and He is not on earth. When He comes back, he said that he would be seen from east to west mm-hmm. but it is a twisting of the truth so you get Catholics looking and worshipping the host mm-hmm. and I remember so many times as a priest I would say this is the Lamb of God who takes away the physical world mm-hmm. and I held up mm-hmm. the host and that gets people looking to a physical substance mm-hmm. instead of looking to Christ Jesus now that is the most theory, denial of the gospel because it looks so religious Mm -hmm. and it says, this is the Lamb of God, that is a piece of bread Mm -hmm. that was meant to symbolize or typify Mm -hmm. Christ Jesus' broken body Mm -hmm. as he broke the bread to show that his life was to be broken, my body broken for you in substitution for you. It is spiritually we understand that he offered himself once. And so the preciousness of the gospel is that it's not in any ritual and that the Lord's table is, as Christ said, in memory of him. Yes. It's not to continue the sacrifice because the jury is not out. Christ Jesus said, it is finished. Mm -hmm. That means that the work is done. Seven times the Holy Spirit said that the one sacrifice Mm -hmm. was once offered. Mm -hmm. So it is most, most serious. And this is what we've been talking about today. So may God be glorified. May the precious viewer know Christ Jesus and all God unto salvation. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much. May the Lord be blessed and glorified. Amen. Amen Amen. Thank you.
1: This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com.